Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Miles Driven with me, Miles. And me, Sam. He, he really is trying on these uh, introductions <laughs> now. If you haven't heard his earlier ones, um... I feel like it's been pointed out, and I've been taking the Mickey out of. Well, yeah. I've been I've had the Mickey taken out of me too much about it, so I feel like I need to. Uh, You're making up for it. It's, now. it's become a feature now. We have to yes. change it each podcast. Um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the Stellantis Group, but um, first off, we're just going to kick off with the new generation Mercedes E Class, which has made it's come into the news this week mainly because it's going to stick with combustion engines, and that oddly for me, I, I think it's a bit odd that there's sort of anyone surprised by that. The E Class is sold throughout the world. It's a very popular taxi in a lot of southern Europe. Um, it's also a very popular company vehicle, and I think the issue has come about that the new 5 Series, when that arrives, will have a complete EV option, whereas Mercedes are saying, no, we're going to do the petrol, the diesel, uh, the petrol will have one of the mild hybrids, you know, the big 48-volt alternator, essentially, um, and a plug-in hybrid, and that's how they're releasing the car whether it will then later be given full EV status in a facelift or something else, but it's not going to be built as a car that is sort of geared towards being an EV first and foremost. And as we know from vehicles that are already out, if a car isn't built to be an EV, they seem to always have sort of not good enough range when they're converted. Um, we've seen this. What was the... There's a Mercedes that has it at the moment, and they've—I can't remember the the um, the model designator—but they really struggled to move them because it was just a modification of a petrol diesel um, architecture, and so it didn't didn't have the range, it didn't have the speed. Um, so I, I think actually, new E class would be quite a good looking car. I'm, I'm looking at one in blue. What do you think, Sam? Not a huge fan, but. I think that could have been guessed by anyone that's listened to previous podcasts. Yeah. I'm just not a massive Mercedes fan. I just don't really like their cars in general. It's it's nothing against them. I just don't like the looks of them. So for me, you know, you, you look at a car as much as you drive one. So mm -hmm. it's just not a car that I like the looks of. I'm sure it's, I can appreciate it for what it is. Listeners will know that um, Sam and I do agree sometimes. And we certainly do have disagreements other times. And, I think we're probably about 50-50 the amount of times yeah, we, we disagree and agree. And Mercedes is actually one of those manufacturers where we are generally on opposite sides. I quite like Mercedes. Sam, I, I can't think of Mercedes. Well, you quite like the C63 with the V8. Yeah, that's only because I really like the noise that it makes. It's yeah. not necessarily like the looks or the, um, the styling of the SLS. car. SLS? Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad car. Um, but yeah, I know generally speaking, uh, Mercedes aren't your cup of tea. I, it, I just thought it was a bit interesting that Mercedes have come out and they've said as of 2025, they won't be making, or they've said we won't be making new petrol models. And what they really meant to say with that, and I brought this up in a previous podcast, is if we have an existing petrol model, that will still be sold for its entire lifespan, which will take us up to 2030, 2031. But a brand new car or our new developments will be uh, at least mild, high, well, at least hybrid but most likely they'll be um, electric platforms. And so going forwards, to start that off they, in 2023 and say we are going to stick with what we have, it kind of does make a little bit of a statement, but it doesn't surprise me at all. When you think of some of the markets out there, we may have 
uh, not a good enough infrastructure yet in the UK, but we will, and we are moving very rapidly. Um, USA, a little bit further behind because of how big it is there, but the Tesla, obviously the supercharger network has got people from one side of the country to the other. Yeah. Um, I just think in countries, you know, I go to Cyprus quite a bit and Greece quite a bit, I've got family over there. I can't see them um, bringing in a large uh, charging network that's publicly funded, maybe some private companies, but um, Italy, uh, probably the same, the, the sort of south east of Europe um, and the east of Europe. I, it's, it's a huge project. It is. And you've got to think of the rural areas as well. Like how easy, even in this country, like if you live in the Peak District, yeah. the Lake District, are you going to have to travel to one of the the larger towns or the cities to find a, a network of charging points. Yes. And you're not going to find one down in the local village, I imagine. No. I know this I know this is a conversation that's being done to death and Sam and I we we said beforehand we're not going to dwell on this conversation about charging points. Yeah. But it just is a point I mean you live in a village, Sam. I do. Um we're sat in the village currently. Yeah, we are. We we've come to to Sam's to do this podcast. Um you know, it wouldn't be easy for you here to get to say me, where I, I live sort of on the edge of a city or in the, you in do, the city. But I, I would take the country route to get to you, so I wouldn't go through necessarily anywhere built up to but, get to you. Yeah. So. And of course, people can say, well, you'd charge at home and everything else. That's okay for the UK. And I think we, as I say, I think we will move um, fairly rapidly. But I just can think of many areas of the world where the E class is a very popular vehicle. Um, where that infrastructure just isn't going to exist. So I can 100% understand why Mercedes would say, actually, we are going to stick with the diesel sales, we are going to stick with the petrol sales, and we'll have a plug-in hybrid option to sort of you know, please the, the people that want them in, in cities. And, and we've discussed it before, plug-in hybrids to us make the most sense for a vehicle of, of this type. Yeah, I think family so. size vehicle, you can... Travel on electricity when you've got short distances in a city. If you are rural, you can go onto the engine and do a long distance and not have to worry so much. But thought I'd bring this one up. Just an interesting point that it sort of made a few headlines because they're not doing it and they are sticking with combustion engines. And to me, that's a bit of a, a nil point. I mean, they, they, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. And I'd have been more surprised if they'd said, we're going to go with an E-Class that is on an EV platform and try and make it a petrol and you think well there's a yeah. huge area of their market that they would be um pushing to one side to do that it wouldn't make sense as a business choice would it not not at this point maybe in five years maybe in 10 years but we do have to remember that there's the mercedes sell their vehicles all over the globe and from from our point in the uk we have a relatively high population in a relatively smaller space although yeah, actually our, our square footage of land is quite big. We, we're always called a small nation, but we are actually a reasonably sized uh, European nation. Um, but we're very high density. Yes. And so if you are putting in an infrastructure, it's easier because the companies doing it can see their money coming back. When you start to talk about a larger dispersion of people across a greater uh, space, I, I don't know how easy the investment's going to come. But um, I, I say... I think it's quite a nice looking vehicle. I don't suppose you've got a SAM score for us, have you, Sam? SAM score, by the way, if you haven't listened before, <laughs> specification, acceleration, maneuverability. 
because it's not out yet, I know you're not going to be able to give us no, but sort of driving given, dynamics. Given that it's a Mercedes, I think it's going to have to be given on those parameters. You're probably going to have to give it an eight at least. Okay. Yeah. On a an actual Sam score. Yes. <laughs> if you like, it would be yeah. at least half. Yeah. Okay. So that. so for a personal Sam score, but for yeah. our actual Sam score, um, yeah, I'd say an eight pending further testing. Yeah. Like. Well, we'll see. It's, I mean, it's not going to be with us until next year, so we'll try and get a test um, of the car next year. But from a from a point of view of looks, I actually think it looks pretty good. Um, it's more of a an evolution of the Mercedes. I'm I'm glad they're not just going bigger and bigger with grills. They've already got a very large grill, yeah. So they sort of seem to be sticking with that rather than trying to do something even more ostentatious. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree with you on your score for now. We'll reserve judgment until we see it next year and um we'll try and get behind the wheel of it and um, report back Indeed. and we'll put it as another news segment so for our main point today we're going to move on to the stellantis group the stellantis group yeah there's the reason i wanted to talk about it first off is because some of the things the ceo has been saying but before we start yeah i've got a, a little quiz if you like to uh, yeah. to start us off with this this section keep it light-hearted and fun yeah so the Stellantis Group has 14 vehicle brands. Is it 14 or 15? 14, I believe. Let me just get the count. You ban for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fourth largest uh, automotive group in the world. So as I was saying, the Stellantis Group has 15 vehicle brands. Yeah, I thought it was 15. <laughs> Would you like to try and guess as many as you can? I don't have a pen, so I can't cross them off as you okay. go. But... I, I, the people listening, I will, we'll just give you just a minute to have a quick think because you can play along with me on this one to have a little guess uh, as to what it will be or to what the names of them all. I have to say, some of them are sort of variations or subsidiaries or... Yes, that's what that's what I'm thinking. in the list, if you like. I'm, I'm trying to just get it clear in my head because I know a few of the sort of manufacturers that I'll be able to tick off. Yeah. But yes, I'm guessing some of their subsidiaries that used yeah. to be model designations. Yeah are now actually considered brands in their own right. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you two off the bat so the listeners have got an idea of what we're talking about there. So, for example, Fiat are in it, and so are Arbath. Yeah, which is really so annoying you, because so I was going to say... So you've got two. You're taking yeah. two that you knew. I was going to so show you, how 13. clever I was by yeah. knowing Arbath was separate. Okay. That's fine. There's others. <laughs> so, so hopefully anyone listening along, maybe you've got a few in your head. I'm going to go for it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start off uh, with some of the obvious ones. Peugeot. Uh, I don't know if it will be separate in the group, but I'm going to say Vauxhall. Yes. Is Opel then? Yeah, Opel separate. So Vauxhall and Opel are in yeah. there separately. So, okay, Peugeot, so you, Vauxhall, you Opel. Um, you, you're, sorry, you already said Fiat and a bath, so that's five. What have we got after that? Um, oh, I thought I'd easily get to ten. Uh, oh, Dodge. Yeah. Uh, is Ram a separate? It is indeed. Okay. Uh, Chrysler, yes. Uh, American brands, American brands under that group. Fiat Chrysler. So it was FCA Fiat Chrysler. So I think um, is Cadillac. No, no. Okay, that falls under the GM. <laughs> yes. Um, it's gonna be. Is so Citroen's not in there. Citroen is in there. Oh, okay. Take that, even though <laughs> I was going the other way with it. It's the old classic, I'll try a guess, but I'll try and make it yes. sound like I'm saying it's not in there. Yeah. Um, and there's six others. Oh, there is. Subsidiaries, my friend. Subsidiaries, Mr. Lincoln. I'm Clever. Lincoln? 
No. Uh, You're really going down, and everyone scores uh, it. So how many of them left are American car brands? Um, one. Oh, blimey. Okay. The, the, I, yeah, one, I think. You might correct me. But. Um, so the rest of them are in... I can give you some letters if you want. No, you can no. try and guess a brand on its letter. The rest of them are in Europe. God, I bet some people are just... You've got one American one left. Well, yeah, apart from one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bet some people are just screaming at me like... How can you have forgotten so-and-so? And it, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I would be if we weren't recording a podcast in the same room. <laughs> some of the obvious... I'm just trying to think if there's any subsidiaries that I might have missed. Right, I'll read the ones you've had off. So you've on. done Arbath. Yeah. You've done Chrysler. You've done Citroen. You've done Dodge. You've done Fiat. Yeah. You've done Peugeot, Opel, Ram, and Vauxhall. So you've got one, two, three, four, five to go, I believe. So Mitsubishi didn't join because nope. they were they weren't impressed enough to get into it. Uh, are they all the, is it five Europeans and one American? Uh, yes. Said confidently. Yes. There. <laughs> yes. 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 So all right, we're, we're going to hurry it along. Yeah, right? go so on. You've no, got, you're going to have to fill in for me. There's an M. European M. Italian M. Mas- yeah. Oh God, of course. <laughs> Yes, Maserati, uh, yeah. Ooh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Italian L. Lancia? Yep. Hard. American I feel, J. I feel ter- a Jeep. Right. Yes. Now, here comes the subsidiary that you didn't get. Okay. French, beginning with D. Ah, oh, DS. <laughs> yes. And, shame on you, Italian A. Alfa Romeo. <laughs> Do you know what? I just had so many blanks in my Shame hand. on you. You uh-huh. should relinquish your podcast status. I, I cannot believe it. We'll I, I, start calling it the Sam Driven. Yes. From now on. yes. The only one I'm really ashamed of, I suppose, is actually Alfa Romeo and Lancia, actually. I, although Lancia don't make really, anything. <laughs> really do anything of their own these days, so I'll, I'm not so hurt about that. But Whatever you need to tell yourself. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot Alfa Romeo. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, th- I think the the bulk of this is probably going to be things that you've got to say about it because you you know more of the, the the details if you like. I've got a couple of bits that I've got written down. I do have just a discussion topic that I maybe will end on the discussion topic that I've got. So if you want to head into anything so, you've got, Slantis, if you if you've got it ready in front of you. And... The the key point for me was um, that the CEO of um, the Slantis Group has has sort of made it clear. So his name's Carlos. Uh, I'm going to go Tavares, but it could be Tavares or Tavares. Um, sorry if he's listening. I'm sure he's not. But um, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> he's come out and he's essentially said, and I, I what I noticed at the same time is that a lot of the EV media started really ramping up how much better Stellantis have done because of their EV sales to sort of counter what the CEO himself has said which is that he doesn't see the idea of EVs the solution to reducing emissions. He's going along the ideas of if we went more towards a hybrid solution of bringing in plug-in hybrids with engines, that that would immediately, because that could be brought in much quicker, the adoption rate would be much faster, and that would have a sort of effect within the next couple of years rather than these political promises of, well, we won't allow you to do this in 10 years or 15 right, so it's years. It's blanket political promises, isn't it? Well, we're going yeah. to ban all diesels by 2025. Yeah. How are you going to do that? Or we just are. Yeah, we're just going to do it and then hope that the, the market around it works. Um, so his opinion on it, which I think 
is driven partly because the Stellantis Group has uh, companies like Dodge, and Dodge are in a little bit of a difficult place because they make a lot of money from selling cars like the Demon, yeah, and, and the Hellcat over in the one well, probably not so much the Demon, but the, the Hellcat type vehicles over in the US, which are USP point is a really loud whining supercharged V8. So it's difficult to then try and get those buyers to be sold on this sort of slightly whirring, more yeah. powerful yeah. electric vehicle. But I don't think it's just that. I think also if you look at within the group, um Fiat sells small city cars. On one side people can say, well they're the easiest to electrify. Well a lot of small cities that are built that are very, very old cities in Europe don't have you know people live in apartments they park on the road unless the government is coming out and just streamlining the roads with the ev charge points it's going to be difficult to get sales it's an interesting point that he's making though considering his group has currently i can't give you the brand specifics but 33 evs currently and in the next 18 months the overall group are going to be releasing eight more yes and this is the, this is I mean for it's example, almost a contradiction of what he the CEO believes. But. I think it's coming from I mean for example the Fiat five hundred so the Fiat five hundred yeah. I believe now is only an electric car and if you want oh, an Abarth five nine five same car, um, but it, the hot yeah it's the hot version yeah. that's a petrol. So if you walked into a Fiat dealer and said I really want to buy a Fiat five hundred but I want a petrol one, they'd say okay excellent, and lead you over to the Abarth. Right. Because they just so I think it's things like that where they've they've managed to corner a bit of EV market and it has done them very well to cert, to a certain extent. Yeah, but I think he's looking a bit more down the road of you've got a lot of politicians getting into an arena and saying yes we want to sort of get the headline here for for making the change, and he's saying well from a point of view of production where you, where are you getting all the materials and all the contracts yeah. that are so long standing. Um, currently, now I don't want to be a doom and gloomer about EVs, and I'm, I'm that's my I'm, job. Yes, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think our podcast has come across that way. So no, far. I mean, I, yeah. I just... um, but it's just interesting if a CEO is coming out and saying that, and at the same time, uh, there has been this um, quite large. It's, so, uh, Serbia have basically banned a mine, a lithium mine project going ahead, and that was over environmental concerns. It's interesting that the countries that, you know, that, that would have been a huge amount of money for them to bring in. It is an election year for Serbia, but there were public unrest about the idea of having a lithium mine because this isn't free. And I think a lot of people are becoming more and more aware of it, it's not pollution free. Yeah, exactly. We're, the idea of saying, oh, we'll leave the oil in the ground. OK, but if you're, you're trying to take something else out of the ground, yes, <laughs> if you're mining, to get the other materials now lithium you know that brings a lot of money into china and to australia and there's some good standards going on but that's not happening in every market what concerns me is at the minute the coal, the, the cobalt issue um they're mining cobalt in the dominican republic of the congo um just by the fact they're named democratic what did i say dominican blimey Sorry, everyone listening. This podcast is a massive fail for you. Yeah, really. Do you know what? It's, the it's, editing that he's going to do, guys, is going to be so hefty that none of this is going to stay in. I'm, I'm going to have a voice <laughs> modulator and I'm going to change my voice to yours for yes, some of this. And then when I sound like this, yes. like I've been 
scraped together yeah. from other things that I've said. You know why. Um, but that shows you how democratic a country is if it's yes. named the democratic of. These are really poor conditions that people are, are mining lithium in. And I think really we need to not be that that is not an answer to our current issues. It, of course, we don't want to pollute cities. I breathe the air as much as Sam yeah. does and as, as much as you listening do. But there has to be sort of an, an actual answer to all of this. And yes, there it, does. it yeah. seems to us that, and and I, I kind of agree with the with the CEO, uh, with Carlos here, when he's saying, yeah, well, it's not the answer he wants to bring to market. Now, that could be for a variety of reasons, but possibly we should be sort of taking a step back here and saying, would we be better now to sort of say, okay, can all manufacturers have hybrids in the works by in the next two years so that you know consumers have that immediate option rather than just everything grabbing a headline if it's an ev yeah definitely i'm just interested just to jump in on that bit they are planning to announce their long-term plan on the 1st of march this year so i mean we can look out for what happens there yes because he said we can report, said, we can report back he, he's, that, so. he said this um just a few days ago we're, we're sort of january 23rd when we record this so this probably won't be out for another sort of 10 days. Um, but it's, it's only four days ago he was saying this. So it, maybe he's stalling for time. Possibly. And maybe actually there is more answers. And, and we know that battery technology is getting better. We know ranges are getting bigger. And we know that there is uh, efforts underway to sort of address some of the supply issues and the countries and the conditions where people are mining. But for a CEO, it's a, was it the fourth largest? Yes. Sam? Fourth, yeah, largest fourth largest group. by volume. By volume. So that's going to be behind... By volume sold, obviously, of, of cars. Behind Volkswagen Group, behind Toyota, and I guess Ford would be... Yeah, I would say so. Um, so, yeah, if they're that large of a group and they're willing to actually come out and say, look, yes, we're very aware EVs have a place, but if our aim is such and such by such and such date, um, then we may be just looking for political answers rather than actual yeah. answers. Um, it's not been very funny, this podcast, actually. Sam. It's been wrong? quite serious. And probably... to be honest, the, the topic that I want to move on to for the, well, yes. what's probably going to be the final segment of the show. Go on, we'll let Sam, we'll let is, Sam inject a little well, bit. Well, it's not going to be any more humorous, oh, I'm well, afraid. Okay. It's quite a serious podcast. God, we're really getting people my, down. My point now. is, I was while I was looking into this, I was thinking, well, this, this new mega group if you like that's now got 14 vehicle brands in it and you've got the vw 15 15 sorry my own writing, <laughs> my own writing with my down this has been a terrible podcast you yes. should just delete this yes. and start again <laughs> it's been funny for the listeners because we've both come across as morons um yeah so and you've got the vw group which should leaves i don't off the top of my head i mean we could sit and spend 10 minutes trying to work them all out but seven or so so uh, probably in that, it's probably but, more than that because yeah. you've got things like it goes out to Ducati and to Man. Yeah, but so. the point is, if you've got that group and this one, mm -hmm. it's taking up such a huge percentage of the market. Are we going to see the beginning of the end for individual car brands? Like with what we were talking about recently with TVR and Noble. Mm. Are we going to start to see the end of car manufacturers having their own ideas and their own innovation and being able to use their own initiative to to design their cars and it's just going to be well this is the car we've given you from the top selling brand you can change the badges you can change the lights mm -hmm. you can change the interior a little bit put it out we know it's going to sell 
So this is a bit like a Volkswagen Golf is a Seat Leon, which is a Skoda Octavia, which yeah, is that, uh, that's the point. Uh, what I'm worried about is that that's what we're going to see everything move to because it is now about money, overheads, shareholders, dividends. That that's what matters to at the end of the day, it's what matters to the people that own these companies that make the decisions. So I think it's a really interesting point because what I heard, if we were doing this podcast two years ago, um, two and a half years ago, let's say, before there was a worldwide pandemic and everything else, there was a lot of positive news towards small manufacturers coming out in the EV landscape. Yeah. I.e. because we were switching to a whole new way of doing this, the ball game had sort of been reset and the barriers to entry that a small car company would have had previously have dropped because everyone starts from zero. So it doesn't matter that um, Mercedes have been building cars for 100 years, for example. Yeah, exactly. They're in the same position on EVs as, you know, Ted and Jeff in yeah. the shed who are... Who are oh, gonna... like, like me and you going out to my garage, yes. buying... buying you know, the basic products we'd need yep. and starting our own electric car company. Yep. We sell two a year because that's what, what we can make. What would that be called? <laughs> well, I imagine it would be called the Miles Driven. <laughs> Do you know what? It would be called the Miles Driven. Oh, I'm going to give, I'm gonna have to give myself one for that. Very good. But, uh, and it would be called, uh, I'd have the Miles, Gris, uh, the Miles Driven.com written on all the number plates. Yes. And I'd and down the, the side of the car. The, the podcast would be on the boot lid. <laughs> and and then, in the stereo. Yes. And then on the side, you know, sometimes they put sort of powered by. Yes. On the side, I'd have uh, the Instagram tag, <laughs> like, like a 17-year-old would on their car. And that, that would be, and it would be painted on. So <laughs> our buyers had to have it. Yeah. But you can see the buzzer is starting to work. It's magic, guys, because he won't plug the Instagram whenever he says it now. He will just call it the Instagram or yes. the, the web page. Do get over so, to the Miles Driven Instagram page, uh, if you can. I just like that it interrupts your flow of talking because yes. you wait for it because yes. you can see me press the button. I, I can see you just look over as I as I go to say it. But that is a, a great place for you to get comments to us. If you do want to make any comments about this and, and have an open chat with us. Um, yeah, even if it said. is, this podcast is absolutely terrible. It sounds like you're recording it in just a very small room. In, in a fishbowl, <laughs> yes. Um, well, at least, you know, it's a bit of know. Yes. <laughs> bit constructive for us we'll, we'll take it on the chin we're we're, we're not um thin-skinned so we don't mind no. yeah but if, yeah, if people could say it. nice stuff as well that would be that would be very good you know if you could let us know that you're listening that'd be yes. nice <laughs> so <laughs> we know there. we have listeners um we'll go back so yeah back then there was this idea that um uh that manufacturers were going to be all brought back to a level playing field and we saw this with Rivian when Rivian were, who were about to, I think deliveries have sort of started. They floated on the, I don't know which, I don't know whether they're on the NASDAQ or um, this is, or an SMP, Sam. I don't know if I've got a snoring button. Yes. He's <laughs> uh, not interested in the stock market like I am. So yeah, um, they floated already. So they are uh, out there and you can buy up their shares, which a lot of electric manufacturers have done because of the hype around Tesla. But Rivian seemed to be a real competitor because they had brought a pickup truck out and a SUV out, and that's their starting point. Yeah. And they were one of those stories where people said, well, look, these guys didn't exist sort of 10 years ago. Well, yeah, yeah. there's hope then, isn't there? Yeah, and, and now they're bringing out a product. The, the trouble is, like we saw from the uh, Ford F-150 Lightning, 
which just fortunately for Ford, they had that nameplate uh, rattling around from, from previous cars that they had the Lightning model. They've, they've gone and said, well, we're going to make an electric truck. Now, if you sell F-150s to people, yes, they'll still be buying V8s in America. Yeah, of course. But the ones that have to go and do, I don't know, a lot of city mileage, or they know that for their business it will be advantageous to have an all-electric truck, they're going to buy an F-150. Yeah. They have an F-150. They get, that's the end. They're not <laughs> going to likely go to other manufacturers. And, and there was this talk of... Well, you know, new EV startups, they'll, they'll possibly be able to get some market um, themselves and go with their own designs and we'll see more competitive. And actually what appears to have happened, because I think Stellantis became a group in 2019, yeah. late 2019, I think it was. Actually, what's happened is um, a lot of companies have now merged to become bigger companies and they're, they're able to keep their costs down as we go into this next phase of new engines new engine types new fuels because we still don't know will hydrogen be the, yeah, the fuel in 20 years hide. yeah i mean you know uh, toyota have gone out and said we're going to punt at hydrogen combustion and hydrogen electric no we're, we're sort of at the at the still we've been through these stages in many other aspects of life you've got the blu-ray and hd dvd yes. you've got what mini disc and CD was it at the same time when we had mini discs? Oh. Mini discs didn't really take off, did they? I remember in my house when I was growing up, we had a, a whole wall of mini discs and a mini okay. disc player, and I think that was about around for about eighteen months, and then that disappeared. And then CDs, and then before that, you had the VHS and yeah, there was some, yeah. So these things always seem to come along. So maybe electric, and maybe electric uh, cars will help find a competitor. Yeah, I think my my concern is that if we don't get more manufacturers jumping in then you i think you've got a really good point here sam the, the example being the uh, new voxel corsa yeah or the opal corsa as it will be in in the rest of europe and the peugeot 2008 yes same car yeah same car different uh, bumpers different badges yeah but and like we, we've spoken about sorry just to jump in again mm. we've like we've spoken about in previous podcasts it's slightly different but ford and vw with their merger for the vans their commercial merger yeah um yeah back to commercial vehicle. vehicle yeah commercial vehicle merger they're doing that this is a problem i mean uh volvo themselves who are the sort of darling of the evs because they're saying we're going to be just selling evs after 2025 we're not interested in government yeah we're now, Volvo would be the company to go down that route as well, yes. and they'll probably do it very well. And they've got a lot of money behind them because they're owned by Chinese manufacturers. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they're willing to pump in the money because they've got the mining rights in China. Yeah. And to have a name like Volvo, they know they'll sell that around the world, unlike a new Chinese startup name. Yeah. MG have had this sort of similar uh, deal going now that they're Chinese owned, that they can use that name that's existed for a long period of time. But Volvo themselves came out and said, well, depending on your energy mix, it could be taking a lot of miles for you to get back to a point of uh, zero, zeroing out between a new petrol and a new electric. So, oh, okay. so they quoted up to 90,000 miles driven to get back to zero, where they both emitted as much CO2 yeah, so as each now, other. At, at that point, they start to fall flat down on their face, don't they, to an extent? Now, they have said that if you live in a particularly green country where you get a lot of green energy 
um, then it could be 30,000 miles. Still a lot. Stellantis are quoting 45,000 miles. The, the trouble is with it, yes, there will be a point where EVs, because they've got zero coming out the tailpipe, uh, are more energy, well, more, they're more energy efficient the way they use energy. Um, but the pollution, they're always going to have an advantage as long as they last for 150, 200,000 miles, whatever. They're, even if they last for 100,000, they are going to be um, an advantage for the environment from a CO2 perspective. Yes. But I'm not only interested in CO2. I'm thinking of everything, all the all the, the gases that are coming out. Let's let's have a complete open discussion on that side. And I'm not sure if this is where investment into some of these smaller companies is falling flat, because there's a worry of will Dieselgate happen, and will it mean that manufacturers are quickly told by politicians, right, you have to come up with uh, brand new types of batteries. In which yeah. case they've got to spend billions all over again to come up with a different. Now that that will happen with time, but when the governments are the ones setting the targets, I I, I tend to agree with you that then where are the small manufacturers going to go. Yeah, I, I just I worry that that's where we're gonna we're gonna end up headed towards where we've got nothing unique yeah. coming out. I mean, it's been, we're, we're, it's been a very sombre podcast. Well, <laughs> well, we'll spend five minutes talking about some of the positives that come out of it. Um, you got any? Um, I tell you that uh, for vehicle owners in very cold countries, right? No, I haven't got a point on that. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to be I'll ending you, the podcast like that. Then. What we can do <laughs> if, if if we were going to start a car company right now, what would we do? You and I, if we went to be a small car company right now, now we would know off the bat we can't build any shape we want because we have yeah. to fit into safety regulations. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will be restricted on where we can put the lights. Yeah. And seat belts have to be standardised. Yeah, I mean, sort of lights are generally found in the same place, unless you buy a Nissan Juke. Yeah. At which point they're just they, around at any point. On the but then we bundle. have to... So, for example, would we put buttons on the inside? Because we've got yes. to homologate each and every one, and that's a cost. We could buy them from, from the company, I suppose. But... They're all going towards screens yeah. to save money. I think this was a concern you and I had, which was that, yes, we understand this is a business. Car companies yeah. have got to make money, but you've you still got to sell stuff. People are... People still got to buy your product at the yeah. end of the day. So. And if we're moving towards four-wheeled computers, I'm not sure how much I would be interested in no. in caring about what the brand is on the front of well, it. Well, maybe there's a segment for another podcast in that one where we design our own car. I'm trying to think how we'd go about it. I think I would want to put a V8. Yeah. With in our small company's car. Yes. With okay. some form of hybridization, plug in for thirty miles or whatever. Yeah. Um, to get to get us into emissions, I tell you what. Actually, I'd want to do. I'd probably go and nick the. Um, well, I say nick. I'd call up Toyota or BMW. And I'd very kindly ask if I could have the engine out of the Supra or the Z4 yeah. or all of the 40i ending BMWs. Tune that up a tiny bit. So maybe get us 400 horsepower. Yeah. Put a um, some sort of battery. So it does tell you something that I would go towards putting some form of battery in it. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to though, wouldn't you? So. Yeah, because, well, unless you're... I was going to say unless you're Lotus, but Lotus, of course, have released their Amira, the most recent car, as the final ever yeah. time that they will do just a petrol engine. 
So I suppose, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, oh, would I, would I, or would I just sit there and go, no, nah, do you know what? Um, maybe you run it off man-made petrol and have a V12. <laughs> Something to think of, I think. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> um, and let us know what you think. Any, anyone out there who's sort of got an idea on this, um, I'd be really interested to know if, if you were there right now, um, you yourself or with a friend or with some family, and you said, okay, I'm going to sell, I don't know, 500 cars, um, but I've got to make a prototype. What do you draw as a prototype in your head? I'd be really interested to know what people... Are people just designing electric cars? Yeah. Are they thinking, no, I would want to have a manual gearbox and I would want to have a V-shaped engine? Would they want a massive turbo four-cylinder? I'd be really interested. And then what would you build? Would you build a hatchback? We're seeing a lot of electric cars come in saloon form. Um so yeah, I'd be really interested. There, there's a bit of a more positive yeah, note after our we can, we can end. <laughs> yes, on that. Um, and yeah, and and just to finally, what Stellantis one one of the points they pointed out was wanting to clean up the supply chains. And I think if you are making EVs at the minute, I think one of the things they do have to clarify for us is how clean is the supply chain start to finish? Because if someone is buying an electric car for its environmental credentials only then they shouldn't feel in five years or 10 years, like with when they bought a diesel, yeah. that they got given the wrong information. Because yeah, you, you can't expect everyone to do all this type of research, especially if you're not that interested in cars. But um, oh, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, if you have friends or family you think might enjoy this podcast, please do share it with them. Um, it does help us just to see the extra downloads and... I think Sam and I would like to try and build a bit of a community around this. And we'll, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll, as I say, we've got the social media stuff. We've got the milesdriven.com, which yeah. I've snuck in there. No, he, I has, saw, he, has, he knows I haven't got it loaded, but I'll chuck it in. <laughs> I saw Sam didn't have his finger on the button there, and I thought, all right, I'll take that opportunity. Um, and yeah, you can go on any of our sort of Instagram or Facebook, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. So we'll, um, we'll catch you all in the next one. Yeah. Have a great day. Cheers, guys. See ya.